What is up, my brothers and sisters, my agents of respect? It's your boy, Trey Johnson, back with another episode of the No Disrespect But Podcast. Before we get started, make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Always feel free to comment. Just keep those comments respectful. If you're trying to support your favorite podcast, yours truly, the link to do so will be in the episode description. Appreciating all the support for the agents of respect and everybody else that loves watching the show. So, gotta move my... Spurs blanket. I was watching a game yesterday that we won, by the way. Wimby, 30 points in less than 30 minutes. So it is what it is. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about college football. I mean, this bold mania that's going to end January 8th, which is going to be the national championship. And so we've had a lot of bowl games um, over the past couple of weeks. Uh, we're kind of getting into the more meaningful bowls, as they say, you're – um, you know, orange bowls and things like that. So uh, excited to see those matchups. Excited to see um, Florida State and Georgia go at it. Excited to see Ohio State and Missouri go at it tonight. So a lot of interesting matchups, especially when you get into some of your uh, power five, you know, some of the, the the elite teams in those respective conferences are kind of facing off. So really excited to see that. But one thing that stood out to me really has been the number of opt-outs. And, and Florida State is kind, is kind of the most um, highlighted right now because they're playing a big bowl game against UGA. So the ACC champ who got left out undefeated, only undefeated Power 5 team to not make it, the first ever undefeated Power 5 team to not make it to the college football playoff. And y'all know how I feel about that. I said Florida State, in my opinion, should be in off of that alone, and it should have came down to Texas and Alabama, but it didn't, okay? And so, you know, 20 players of theirs have opted out. Obviously, one of those being Jerry Verse, who's going to be a top-10 pick. Keon Coleman, a top 15, top 20 pick. I'm at the wide receiver position. Uh, so you kind of understood it to, to that point. And, and I'll get into, you know, the the reasons uh, in a second. But, you know, you, you kind of thought like, man, this would have been a, a great opportunity for Florida State to, to show up the committee, right? Going against a UGA team that's going to have pretty much most of their starters for the most part playing, SEC champ runner-up two-time defending champion, right? What a way to stake your claim that, hey, committee, you got this wrong. Then going out and battling with UGA, maybe coming out with a win. Obviously, you'd be undermanned at the quarterback position. That's been the big reason that, you know, the committee gave as to Jordan Travis not being there. But a month to prepare, um, you know, take Rodemaker into the portal, but it, a month might be enough time to get Brock Um ready at the, at the quarterback position, but who knows? But but either way, uh, a lot of guys opted out, so you're not really going to see the FSU team or even remotely close to who they were, the team that finished undefeated. So, you know, this could be either, uh, well, UGA, you beat a, a Florida State team that's not even a Florida State team. You're basically playing against guys that didn't play all year. Or if you lose, it's going to be embarrassing. Um, it's probably going to show up the committee in that way because it's going to be like, look, even with our – you know, third-string quarterback and half of our team gone, with the preparation, we would have been fine or we, we showed to be fine. And, you know, now we can't showcase that in the playoff, right? Um, but 
here's the thing with opting out. And if you guys recall, the first time that this really became a thing uh, was during kind of the first, uh, I think the first year or maybe the second year of the college football playoff. And Christian McCaffrey, uh, running back out of Stanford, and Leonard Fournette, running back for LSU, uh, two of the top players in the nation, if not the top two players in the nation, they decided, you know, their team, their respective teams, didn't make it to the college football playoff. They weren't selected in the top four, even though I know LSU was kind of in the running at one point in the season. And they just said, hey, like, no, we're running backs. We're never going to be, you know, we don't need to put that that extra wear on our body. And if you knew, if you follow those guys in college, they were getting a lot of touches, running the ball, um, catching the ball, uh, special teams to a degree. I know both of them at some at certain points in the season played special teams. So a lot of wear and tear on the body. We know how running backs are viewed in the NFL. So um, they were like, look, we're going to, we're not going for a championship. Let us sit out. And so those were the two. That was the first time that like, how picks didn't play. And it was a lot of craziness, a lot of an uproar of, oh man, this is going to get crazy. And, and God is sitting out. And so you've seen over the years since that time, right? A lot of top guys have set out these games. Um, you know, now last year was an anomaly with Bryce Young and Will Anderson, the number one and number three pick respectively in this in this past year's draft plan, but that's not what's been the case over the past few years. You've been seeing guys that are going to be a top 10 picks, so guys are going to be top 15, top 20, therefore going, you know, that last game of the season, essentially, which to me made sense, right? Uh, the argument is always, you know, you know how much money you have on the table as a first-round pick. You don't want to get hurt or, or jeopardize that. That's kind of been the thing that goes around as to why you should not play, right? But I've always found it fascinating that that's the argument. And the reason why I always say that's a fascinating argument is that you, you, if I say, okay, name me players that have hurt their draft stock by getting hurt, I already know who you're going to name. You're going to name Willis McGahee that played for the U in the early 2000s, and you're going to name Jalen Smith, who played like in the mid-2010s um, with Notre Dame. Two great players, two unbelievably great players. But what we failed to leave out are the context centered around those players, where they reject, where they were projected to go, the time in which they played, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna provide that context as we go further along in this opt out conversation. So let me provide that for you. If you want to bring up Willis McGahey, running back from the University of Miami, the U. Oh, he was going to be a certified first round pick, and because he tore up his knee in a bowl game, a meaningless bowl game, because they didn't make the national championship that year, I don't believe. He ruined his draft stock. Well, let's unpack that for a second. Willis McGay, he was a running back for starters. He was a running back in the early 2000s for starters. So 20 years ago, a totally different era of time where also medicine-wise, knee injuries were pretty much dead during that point. If you tore your ACL, PCL, MCL, the medicine hadn't necessarily caught up to make sure, hey, this guy's going to be ready. Now, we know Willis McGay, he went on to have a fantastic career. And one could argue that if teams hadn't been scared because of their lack of knowledge with injuries and medicine at the time, they could have spent the first round pick on him and been just fine with that. But he didn't. He fell in the draft. But again, he went to have 
have a fantastic career despite that gruesome knee injury that he suffered in college in a meaningless bowl game. Let's fast forward to Jalen Smith, 2016, I believe it was. Guess what, folks? He, he ends up – they don't make uh, – Notre Dame doesn't make the playoff, right? And they're in the bowl game. He messes up his knee. Like, screws it up, right? But in my opinion, I believe Jalen Smith and, – and, and, and let's talk about where he got drafted. He was the second pick in the second round, so 34th overall. So two picks after the first round, he got picked by the Dallas Cowboys and did really well for the first few years of his career. And then injuries piled up and then he wasn't the same guy. Right. So let's talk about who he was at Notre Dame. Keep in mind, folks, and, and again, a lot of times folks scout the helmet, not the player. They scouted the helmet with him. And you think of uh, Manti Teo and him at the time not having the best career in the NFL. So it's kind of like Notre Dame linebackers already getting a bad rep. But you had some folks that thought he was going to go to top 10. Now, if you truly watched him, really good linebacker. I would say he would have been a first-round pick for sure. But top 10, top 15 pick, I don't believe he was going to be one of those. Also, what makes me believe that is because 2016, knee injuries and things around that and the medicine around that are totally different. So he would have been fine. And I think where he was picked, second pick in the second round, that's almost a first-round pick. That's two picks removed from the first round. So they kind of gave you an idea that truly his stock and where he was evaluated and, and valued as a player coming out of college was probably borderline first-round pick, get him in the second round if he's there. And that's what the Dallas Cowboys were able to do, and they were better off for uh, He contributed to a lot of good football teams for them um, until, again, injuries ultimately caught up with him and you know he's kind of bounced around a little bit uh played for the Giants played for the Saints some I know he got signed off the practice squad can't recall where who, who has him now but you know that's just what it is man like those are the two guys that you're going to highlight but we don't talk about uh, we're going to talk enough about players that have boosted their value right playing in these games you know, in the BCS era, there were only two teams that got chosen to be in the national championship. That's really what it was. Two teams got chosen, and everybody else played in the bowl games. They were the, that was their last time to be with the teammates and things of that nature, right? And now we're in the college football playoff where we have four teams eligible to be to buy for a national championship, and now everybody's saying the bowls are needed. And now we're about to move that to 12 next year. So are you saying the bowls are going to be meaningless still? Every opportunity you have to play with your team and also put film out is a great opportunity to take. And I get it. If you're a first-round pick, maybe even you're a second-round pick or you're projected to be there and you're like, okay, I'm already projected here. I'm going to let my combine and my pro day uh, numbers you know, elevate me. I think, to me, that makes sense. Would I rather them play? Yes, but at the end of the day, I'm not them. I'm not going to pay their bills. I'm not going to draft them. You know, I'm not responsible for that, right, if they do get nicked up. So I understand. Third round is pushing it, but I can also understand that to a degree. So first three rounds, first, what is that, 96 picks? If you're projected in that window, sure, right? Especially if you're a senior. You know, you're not – or you're out of eligibility pretty much. Because senior is a, is a relative term. Now you have eight-year seniors. But you know what I mean? You're out of uh, eligibility. I get it. But you're seeing guys 
that are fourth and fifth and sixth round prospects sitting out like Michael Pratt, quarterback for Tulane. Where you at, man? Why are you not playing in that game? Who who who's talking to you? Who's talking to you saying that you about to be in the top three picks? If they are, you you, you probably need to fire them. Frank Harris from UTSA not playing. Seven-year senior now. They say he suffered an injury, so um, I guess I'll let that slide. Uh, Peyton Wilson, I know a linebacker from North Carolina State, kind of third-round grade, but again, has dealt with injuries. So, so even players like that that have historically dealt with injuries, I get it. But you're having guys like a Johnny Wilson for FSU, fifth-round prospect maybe. Mainly because he's a big body, but he has a lot of drops at the college level. So you see guys that, that aren't necessarily graded high sitting out these games, sitting out and not maximizing on these opportunities to truly upgrade. Their, if it's about if it's about, you know, putting yourself in a position where you can provide for your family, why wouldn't you take an opportunity where that's the only game on at the time. During the year, there's multiple games going on. Not everybody can see you. Obviously, not every scout can see you. But now we're, we're, we're seeing games where it's maybe two or three games a day, all at different times. All eyes will be on you. A time where you can maximize your value as an NFL prospect, and these players aren't taking it. And maybe the NIL is making them comfortable to where they feel like they don't need to play and that they made enough money, they saved enough money, they'll be fine. So if they do end up getting drafted in the fifth or sixth round, they already have money saved up from their NIL days in college. Maybe that's what it is. But I implore players to take these bowls seriously. We saw a young man, uh, Vanderkamp, I think is how you pronounce his last name, quarterback for Western Kentucky, was getting ready to hop in the portal, mainly mainly because the coaching staff told him they want him to be a tight end. Guess what? He said he hops in the portal, but he said, you know what? I'm going to still fight with my brothers this season. I'll handle the portal stuff later. The starting quarterback that game gets hurt. Vanderkamp comes in, falls out, and guess what? He's not in the portal anymore. He's going to be the starting quarterback for Western Kentucky next season. He took an opportunity, and, and it wasn't necessarily – taking an opportunity to maximize his value at Western Kentucky. He was already on his way to the transfer portal, but he took that opportunity to play, to play. And now, and maybe showcase to another team that, hey, I can be your guy. Now, guess what? Western Kentucky said, uh-uh, we can't let you out the door, son. We're sorry. We apologize. We were wrong in our evaluation of you. Miller Moss for USC. USC is looking at Looking at quarterbacks in the portal, and he says, "You know what? I ain't, I ain't scared. I'm a play. I'm not about to hop in the portal yet. I'm a play." Goes out, breaks a bowl record, does something that no USC quarterback has ever done. Throws six touchdowns in a bowl game. Guess what? He's coming in as the QB one for USC. May they? What? Will they probably still go get somebody in the portal? Maybe, but I think some of the topic guys were scared off. That could have been a Tate Rodemaker, maybe. You know, uh, yeah, we know Florida State has been looking at some high-end portal quarterbacks. But guess what? You come in and you dominate versus the UGA team, guess what? Coach has to look and say, hey, shit, I got my guy building, right? 
So I think part of that is not just sitting out because of your your draft stock, but I think some of it is a lack of wanting to compete, right? Like what happened? These bowl games used to mean something. And I'm not talking about meaning it meaning something to the university. I know they've used that, you know, to promote themselves and their brand, right? But it's meant something to athlete after athlete after athlete. What's going on, people? Use every opportunity you have. And I argue that. And I'll go back to Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey. Guys, we only, we watched their careers in college. And carrying a load, a heavy load. N never had a nick, had never had anything. Guess what? They end up putting in their mind that, hmm, I need to sit out because I might get hurt. The game I've been playing all of my life. It may hurt me. And they get into their NFL careers, have some immediate success, but then you start to see some injuries take a toll on them to where Jacksonville doesn't resign Leonard Fournette. Thankfully, he gets to Tampa Bay and gets to win the championship, but he doesn't even last there long. And now he's out of the league. Christian McCaffrey breaks down when Cam leaves, breaks down even more. You're wondering if he's going to be able to make it in the league. Because of all the injuries piling up, thank God San Francisco saves him. You know, Carolina gives him to San Francisco for a bag of chips and a pig lip. But thankfully, he got somewhere where, guess what, bro? You don't have to carry the load like that. We got we got uh, Debo. We got Brandon Ayuk. We got George Kittle. Uh, yeah, we're going to feed you touches, and you're going to get some extensive touches. But we're going to keep you safe. We're going to keep you clean. And now he's an MVP candidate. In my opinion, should probably win the MVP. Because I, I don't think a quarterback should get it. But you see time and time again that that mental aspect of it, of, oh, I might get hurt. I would argue the moment you start thinking that in the in the game as physical, and that's putting it lightly to call football physical, you're setting yourself up for failure. And if you're a fourth-round pick or later doing this, guess what? Understand, just because you're drafted in the fourth round doesn't mean you have your spot. You got to compete. Against veterans, you got to compete against undrafted rookies. You got to maybe compete against other drafted rookies on your team. So, I would argue, man, take that shot. And and if it's a, a if it's truly like, hey, something may happen to me, or I'm not liking what what the weapons were bringing, and I'm not trying to look bad. Do what Jamar tasted, man. Coming into the COVID year, coming off of a national championship where he was that guy that if he could have been drafted that year in that draft, he would have been the first wide receiver taken over the Jerry Judys, the Henry Ruggs, the Justin Jeffersons of the world. Jamar Chase would have been the first wide receiver taken. And, you know, hey, I'm a top five pick. I'm not about to play with this quarterback. I'm not about to play in a COVID year or whatever it might be. And something happened to me and mess up my value. He didn't play. He didn't play at all. Don't play weeks one through 11 or 12 if you get to a conference championship and then all of a sudden say, mm, I can't, I don't want to play anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to take the risk. It's football. It's always a risk. You take a risk training. You take a risk training for the draft. We've seen plenty of players get hurt in training. What then? Your film's gonna, your film's gonna save you. And the more film you can put out there, the better. The drills you do in shorts, they don't care about. That's not, and and too many general managers have come out and said that. Too many front office uh, 
aficionados, too many scouts have come out and said, what you do in shorts and a t-shirt, we don't care. Because guess what? You are evaluated based on what you do in ads. So I I do think, especially in the NIL era, where now players are getting some sort of payment, right? I do, like, again, Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette weren't getting paid at all, as far as we know, right? They weren't getting paid a dime to, to play at LSU and Stanford, respectively. So it truly did make sense that two first-round picks, two top-ten picks that were drafted fourth and eighth overall, if I'm not mistaken, right? It made sense that they didn't want to play. Nary NIL, you get more insured players, things like that. Don't, don't tell me about risk. If it's about risk, don't play. Jared Verse came into the year a top 10 pick. Don't play. Even a guy like Jaden Daniels that people feel like he's solidified already, I would argue that Michael Penny Jr., albeit it's in the college football playoff, he's about to have a chance if he can dominate a Texas defense and maybe win that game. If he can dominate a Michigan or Alabama defense and win that game. You might be talking about, hey, we might want to look at this guy as not just being the third overall quarterback taken, maybe the second, maybe the first quarterback taken. Uh, he is the guy that sent Caleb Williams to the stands crying, right? Like, that could happen. We're hearing talks and talks that Caleb Williams isn't as solidified as a top overall pick as we think. So, Drake May, why aren't you playing? I get it. It's the Duke's Mayo Bowl. You played it in last year. Why aren't you playing in that? Jaden Daniels, why aren't you playing in in, uh, in your game against Wisconsin? And if anything, it's creating more value for the guys you're playing with. A guy like Malik Neighbors, who I don't believe is playing either, or a guy like Brian Tom Thomas Jr., who is kind of on that fringe, he's going to look. He would look a hell of a lot better if Jaden Daniels was throwing the ball because he's a guy that's been throwing him the ball all year. Not to say that Nuss can't come in against um, Wisconsin and do damage, but I'm just saying. But we see a lot of you see a lot of eyes and me and not enough we's when it comes to this type of stuff. And so I do think there's going to be something to be had or said in this NIL era. And as we get more to saying we need players getting percentages of things, there's going to be an expectation that players, star players, top level draft pick players. Playing these games, um, especially if we're talking about the revenue, right? If we're talking about revenue sharing, guess what? You're not going to get as much money with Garrett Nussmeyer playing as Jaden Dan versus Jaden Dan's playing. You're not going to get as much money with Miller Moss playing as Caleb Williams playing, right? We like you, you, you got to know this. So we'll see how it goes over the next few years. I'm interested to see how it goes with the 12 team playoff and, you know, teams that finish 13 and out. What are they doing? What are their star players doing now? So um, it'll be interesting to see. So um, a lot of good matchups uh, coming out this weekend. And and look, it, it, it's so many bowl games. I don't really want to focus on them. I mean, guys, it's college football. It's the bowl season. Even if star players aren't playing, they're going to get pretty good football. Um, a lot of – I mean, we're getting to the point where, where you're getting universities and football programs that recruit very well. So while these might be guys that didn't start or play a lot, they're still highly talented players. And so you get to 
chance to see your future, right? I mean, that's one of the positives, I think, in opt-outs. You get to see guys that may be the future of your program. Um, you know, when when Bryce and Will decide to play, I was happy. Um, but I also was like, hmm, if Bryce doesn't play, who's going to get the nod? Is it going to be Jalen Monroe? Is it going to be Ty Simpson? I'm interested to see who's going to be the guy leading in the future, right? But we didn't have to figure that out. Um, you know, when Tua got – Tua was hurt, so who knows if he would have played or not. But Tua got hurt, I got to see Matt. So when we get to the offseason, they're like, oh, Bryce Young's going to come be a star. I'm like, mm, I like what I saw from Matt in his limited time. If he can limit the turnovers, we'll be good. And what does he do? He goes on the run, breaks records. Um, as an SEC quarterback, wins a national championship. So, I'll, if you're a true fan of college football, like this is a chance to see your future. Guys, if you go into the offseason happy about it, excited about how they'll grow from one performance to the next, even if they don't look as good, i.e. a Jackson Arnold for Oklahoma. I saw some good things. If you're an Oklahoma fan, you should be happy. Um, you know, a lot of his turnovers were just based on lack of playing time, lack of uh, uh, repetition, right? So, this guy gets to the offseason program, knows he's the guy, works with his play, works with his teammates. I think he's going to be a hell of a quarterback, albeit they're going to the SEC for the first time, and Oklahoma has a crappy schedule. And when I mean crappy, I don't mean in like an easy schedule. I mean they are going through the gauntlet of the SEC, right? And that's going to that's gonna help Jackson on So by the time he's in year three, maybe stays for a senior year, He's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the nation and one of the better quarterbacks in that conference, the hardest conference in the in the nation. So we'll see. So, But anyway, I want, I'd say that to say there's a lot of games you need to watch them. But we're going to tail off this episode just kind of talking about the college football playoff. And so, um, you know, I'm going to say Bama and Michigan for last because um, that's kind of the heavyweight fight, no disrespect to uh, Washington and Texas because they're heavyweights in their own right. Um, and they, they damn sure did enough to be in this position as the number two and number three seeds um, in this basketball playoff. And so I'm really excited for them playing the Sugar Bowl. They're going to be in New Orleans. And it's going to be a hell of a game. I mean, you know what Texas brings offensively, right? You know what they bring offensively. And you know what Washington is going to bring offensively with those wide receivers and, and they're running back Dylan Johnson and obviously Michael Pinkins Jr., who's arguably a first-round pick. Some haven't fallen to the second round. I don't freaking see it, but we'll see how that goes. But um, you know what's going to be? It's going to be fireworks. Do I think it's going to be like a 40, 50-point score game? Probably not, just because I think the defenses have a little bit more probably that. A lot of times we can get so enamored with the offense. Granted, I started talking about the offense, right? But – these defenses, man, they play with a lot of pride, a lot of toughness that you don't necessarily associate with the Big 12 and the Pac-12, right? But that front seven for Texas, oh, my God. I've not seen them up close and personal, what they did to the Alabama's front uh, offensive line. So and, and just beat them off the field, to be quite honest with you. Even though it was a close game for the most part, you just saw that there was just a different level of intensity. Um, and so – what they're able to do just rushing four, not having a blitz, and, and being able to protect their back end, because they are a little suspect in the back end of their defense. And I know, I mean, you got to be a fool not to know or not to think that Washington is going to want to get the hand, the ball in the hands of their weapons at all levels, at the wide receiver position, at the tight end position, 
even utilizing their running backs in the past game, they're going to try to attack downfield, but they're going to try, they're going to have to establish the run to a degree. And so Texas defense, which I think is third or fourth nationally against the run, they're going to make it tough. I mean, Michael Penix Jr., some people associate with him being a statue in the pocket. Is he going to utilize his legs? Because this because he's not a Jalen Milrow type or a J.J. McCarthy type where you feel like, oh, I got to have a spy on him. So if Texas doesn't spy, does Michael Penix Jr. take the yards, right? Um, Quinn Ewers, how is he uh, coming along? He hasn't been quite the same since he's come back from that injury. So a month of preparation, has he gotten healthy, getting more reps with his teammates, obviously not, having, not being able to practice, I think, the two or three games he missed. So how is he coming along with that shoulder injury? Um, their guys loaded at the wide receiver position. Uh, Sanders, the tight end position. Running back, I know they lost their leading rusher in the others on the season, but Baxter, a true freshman, is amazing. Uh, amazing talent. Can not only run the ball, but can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, still got um, Robinson from uh, the transfer from Alabama. So he's the guy that's going to be important to this, uh, to what Coach Sark is able to dial up as well. But man, these defenses um, are going to be so exciting to watch because I think they're going to want to take the challenge. Um, both defenses have shown all year they're willing to take the challenge. I mean, Washington, you know, taking it to Oregon and saying, hey, like, we know you guys have an explosive offense, but guess what? We have some guys. Um, Muhammad, um, I believe, is the cornerback for Washington. Shut, like, takes away half the field, man. Like, y'all got to watch these dudes. Like, he takes away half the field. Makes things so much easier. And so with their pass rush, be able to get the Quinn Ewers. Will they be forced to blitz if they have to blitz? Will their secondary and their linebackers hold up in coverage? Because uh, Sark is a mastermind at finding mismatches. Like he could have 3,000-yard receivers, and if the third-string tight end is the matchup for this game, the third-string tight end will be featured. That's how incredible he is. And so I'm really excited to see how these offenses go against these defenses. And I do think the defenses – are going to take some initiative. Um, I mean, we've seen these these two teams play before last year, played in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, Washington ended up winning 27-20. to 20. Um, But again, that was a young Quinn Ewers. The Quinn Ewers bouncing back from a, a significant injury, missed a lot of games. So is he ready now? Um, and, and also kind of that that mindset of, you know, an Arch Manning's coming in. So, so am I even going to be at the uh, University of Texas? Am I going to be the guy? I think now he knows he's the guy. He's going into next year knowing he's the guy because he's coming back uh, for another year. Um, and so as I as I look at it, and, and everybody knows, I, I would love a rematch. I would love Alabama and Texas um, to have a rematch. But I will say Washington is the number two seed for a reason. And I believe they should be the number one seed. Um, honestly, I believe it should be Alabama versus Washington and Texas versus Michigan um, within these four, right? They're number two seed for a reason. They haven't, they haven't been the best-looking team. I would argue that Texas, outside the Alabama game, haven't always been at their best, right? And as I look at these two teams and we talk about these defenses, I will say this. I have seen Washington do better against explosive offenses more than I've seen Texas do better against explosive offenses this season. And 
I do believe that Washington will make enough plays. And look, I'm I'm strictly picking off of what I see on the field because in my heart of hearts, I want Texas to win this game. I want Alabama to win their game against Michigan so that we have this rematch and I can stop hearing about week two, right? That's what I want in a perfect world. But as I look at roster for roster, player for player, coach versus coach, I just think Washington makes a couple more plays on both sides of the ball. Um, and I think they're able to establish the run a little bit more um, than people are going to give them credit for. I think Penix is going to be a big part of that. I think he's going to be able to get out of the pocket, uh, utilize his legs a little bit, make it a little bit tougher for that Texas defense. Um, and I think those wide receivers are going to do it's, – it's three great wide receivers. It's hard as hell. It's hard as hell. I mean, I've seen it with Alabama when they had – Rubs, Devontae, Judy, Waddle, like it's hard as hell to stop all of that, right? And so I think you might see a game similar to what you saw last year. Um, I'm going to go and say um, Washington 30, Texas 24. That's just the score I'm selling on right now. Um, I could easily see Texas winning this game. Um it's really like a, a toss-up for me. So if I'm picking with my heart, I'm picking Texas to win this game relatively close. But because I'm just going to stick with what I've seen on the field and from both teams this season, especially down the stretch this season, I think Washington's played a lot of great football. Um, and Texas hasn't always looked their best. And so what Texas team are we going to get? You know, what Washington team are we going to get? I mean, you know, they 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 won a game, you know, not scoring any touchdowns. So is what it is. We'll see. Um, but I think Washington will win this game and be the national championship game. And as to who they will be facing, in because the 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 Michigan Alabama game is earlier in the Rose Bowl, uh, number one seed Michigan versus number four seed Alabama. Now I know guys that are fans of the show uh, or people that know me and know how I feel about Alabama. You're expecting me to say joyless murder ball and that we're going to dominate Michigan and that we're going to blow them out and it's just not going to be sweet. But I won't do that. I do have a level of respect for the University of Michigan. I have a level of respect for their team, for their players, for their coaching staff, albeit the controversy that's going on with the with the stealing signs and everything. But at the end of the day, you play the games right and they have played the game and they have dominated. We talk about the easy schedule that they have, but guess what? They've dominated. They've left no doubt for the most part. Okay? Let me talk about Alabama. I will tell you, Alabama has not played their best football yet. They have not. We should have blown UGA out. We had a chance to go out, up by double digits multiple times. We consistently on our opening drives, have gone three and out or had the punt. I can't even – I think the Kentucky game is probably the last time I remember us having an opening touchdown on our opening series, right? So we've had struggles starting hot. We've had struggles there. And against this Michigan defense, an opportunistic 
Michigan defense that's hungry, that forces turnovers, something that we've had that, that something we've had trouble with. Uh, a Michigan defense that blitzes, something we have had trouble with, picking up blitzes. They have the opportunity. They have the players. They have the coaching staff to give Alabama fits, and not just give them fits, but come out and win this game. They have a good running game. We've, we've seen that you can run against the University of Alabama. They have a running quarterback. We've seen how lethal that can be against the University of Alabama. They have a good tight end. We've seen how lethal that can be. They have a good wide receiving core. We've seen how lethal that can be against the University of Alabama when you give your quarterback time, right, or when that quarterback's able to extend plays like a Jaden Daniels was able to do early on in that matchup against LSU. We've seen it. And we've seen Alabama not be consistently consistent. But we've also seen Alabama fight. We've seen Alabama make the play at the right time to just get them over the edge. And that's been a lot of it this season. It's we get talked about as if we've been dominating our opponents. I know we've had some ranked opponents that we've beaten by double digits, but when you watch those games, we've been down double digits in some of those games. We've just been down in some of those games. There's been pressure points where it's like we have to make this play if we want to stay alive and we've been able to make it. But we haven't gotten the Bama, that, that domination quite like we think. Like, yes, we dominated the line of scrimmage from U uh, versus UGA, but guess what? They were still in the game. They were a stop away from getting the ball back, and our defense was really. But guess what? Michigan can all, also get got. You can run the ball against Michigan to a degree. Solid quarterback play can beat Michigan, not turning the ball over, staying, you know, you know, not, you know, not saying, not getting behind the sticks, staying in front of the sticks, right? You've seen that be able to beat Michigan. You've seen physicality be able to give Michigan fits. Ohio State was doing a little bit early. You saw Maryland do it a little bit. You saw Penn State do it a little bit. And you can get to J.J. McCarthy. You can force him into mistakes. And I think that's going to be the difference in the game. What quarterback manages the game well? What quarterback does that? What quarterback protects the ball, gets the ball where he has to go? Who's that point guard, as Nick Saban, Coach Nick Saban likes to say? And as I look at it, like I said, I know y'all expecting me to say Bama's going to dominate, we're going to blow them out by 20-something points or whatever. I won't give you that, but guess what I will give you? There's a hunger that I've seen in this Alabama team quite like that's not quite like any other since I've been a fan. And I've been a fan at this point for almost 20 years, going on 20 years now. And while I don't think Alabama will have as many explosive plays as we're accustomed to on offense, I think they're going to try to dominate at the line of scrimmage. I think they're going to utilize the run game 
Jason McClellan's back. Rodell Williams is going to be there. Uh, Jam Miller. Um, and then obviously using Jalen Milrow's legs. And I think Burton, I think Jermaine Burton and Isaiah Bond are going to make a couple of plays each that puts us really in position, uh, gets us in that red area. And I think it's going to be close for about the first quarter and a half. And by close, I mean within a possession, you know, 3.7 points. And I, I, I believe that Alabama in the second half will get up, kind of how they did against UGA, you know, ended up going up by 10 and then keep the field goal. So ended up going by 13, right? I think you're going to see something like that, but I think where against UGA, Alabama has to settle for field goals. I think Alabama catches in on touchdowns. And I give Michigan a score late. And so Alabama ends up winning. If you want me to give you a score, I think Alabama ends up winning like 33 to 21. That's why I'll go 33 to 21, something like that. So where it's going to be double digits, they will have dominated areas throughout the game. But but you will look at it and say, hmm, if you watch that game, Michigan had their chances and they didn't capitalize versus Alabama had chances and did capitalize. And I think Alabama is going to be able to get pressure without blitzing, which is important. It's been it's been the godsend of this season that we're able to get pressure with four. And not that we couldn't in years past. He just had a, a defensive coordinator who just decided that he wanted to send his middle linebacker on a blitz every single play. And so what's happened is it's it's allowed our secondary to play freely. I mean, Kool-Aid and Terrion, they've only given up 400 yards combined, right? So those, those Michigan wide receivers are going to have a handful. I don't think we're going to have to double anybody. I think everybody's going to be able to, you know, play that match, man, uh, that we do a lot. And I think Dallas Turner and Chris Bradwell are going to make plays at the right time. I think Big Otis, um, Tim Smith, I think they're going to control the ground game and control those trenches, putting Michigan in a lot of third and longs, but they're relying on J.J. McCarthy a lot. And if we can keep contain on the quarterback and kind of squeeze that pocket, which I think we will do, it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a great game. And I'm excited. I'm excited. And so I believe it's going to be Alabama versus University of Washington vying for the national championship. Like I said, in my heart of hearts, so Texas fans, don't come at me because I want y'all to win. Y'all know I want y'all to win because I want us to win. I want y'all to win, and I want my revenge for something that matters. We'll see. But as it stands, yours truly is picking Alabama to win the Rose Bowl and Washington Huskies to win the Sugar Bowl. There's anything we talk about it, but who's gonna be about it? Everything's gonna be answered on the field, and I cannot wait. We are in for an amazing college football playoff. Enjoy it. So, that being said, I end the show as I always end the show. If there was anything that I said that may have offended anybody, that's a good thing. It's an opportunity for me to learn, it's an opportunity for you to teach me. All I ask is that you keep it respectful. Peace.